0: Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, January 21st, 2020, from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at draftkings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK. P-I-C, that's promo code PIC, P-I-C. You can play for free on Sunday, February 2nd, in the $1.25 million Super Bowl 54 play-action contest. $1.25 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. All you got to do is pick six players, and it can be a combination of players from the Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers. Just six players create your Super Bowl lineup and you can do it for free. You can win $100,000 on Super Bowl Sunday just by putting in a lineup for free when you sign up and make your first deposit using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this shortened holiday week this week, obviously, because of Martin Luther King Day yesterday. Uh, I will be back to a regular schedule. On Thursday, I'm here every Monday and Thursday with the regular schedule. And uh, on Thursday, well, actually, no, not this Thursday. I won't be making any picks this Thursday. The following Thursday, before Super Bowl 54, I will make picks pick for Super Bowl 54. Not this Thursday. uh, The following Thursday. But I will still be back this Thursday. I'll get to my initial thoughts on Super Bowl 54 in just a few minutes. But, um... I didn't have a show yesterday, that's why I'm here today on Tuesday. I did, though, give you some content. I dropped some major, some say maybe explosive content on my website, DannyPicard.com, yesterday on Monday. Uh, it's a in-depth, exclusive report, feature, story. I, I, I'd-, I'd like to call it a feature story, but it also can be called a report. But it's exclusive, it's called... Living on the edge: Baseball's love-hate relationship with technology and how a chosen few are paying the ultimate price for using it. Um, I worked, I worked hard on this story, so if you get a chance, go check it out. It includes comments from two current players, comments from Major League Baseball. It has some stories about Victor Martinez, the Toronto Blue Jays, a substance that pitchers use called goop. That's right, goop, G-O-O-P. And a whole lot more. Uh, I dropped this on my website yesterday. Make sure you check it out, DannyPicard.com. It is being shared on social media by by some big names, by a lot of people. Thank you for sharing it. If I've yet to respond to people who have shared it, if you've shared it and I didn't respond to you yet, I apologize. I will try to get to that. There's currently today, on this Tuesday, It's the, the people didn't start sharing it until late last night, right? So I think you still going to give it a couple days until it really trickles out there, and uh the baseball people can check this out, but there's a lot of stuff in here um and i and and there's some like there's even more stuff that I couldn't put in, and it's about obviously if if I didn't clarify enough the whole sign stealing scandal, the Houston Astros with the severe punishments that came down, which forced uh Astro's owner Jim Crane to fire his manager to fire his GM, and then it forced the Red Sox to fire Alex Cora, then it forced the Mets to fire Carlos Beltran, their manager, and uh, it then led to some crazy rumors around baseball in which people accused the Astros of also using buzzes, electronic buzzes, under their jerseys. Uh, then people are accusing Mike Trout of using HDH. This stuff is all in this story. I got comment from Major League Baseball. I got comment from current players, a current hitter, and a current pitcher, so I give you... Both sides of the story, because with this whole sign-stealing scandal and the nine-page report that Commissioner Rob Manford put out and the severe over-the-top punishments, exaggerated reaction, an overreaction, which is what I called it, there's only one side of that story that Major League Baseball is telling you about, and they're telling you that Alex Korak and Carlos Beltran created this sign-stealing scheme and that they are the biggest cheaters in baseball. And what I found out, which is kind of, I, and I expressed this sentiment last week, early in the week, espe- <clears throat> especially when this stuff first came out. <clears throat> I expressed this sentiment. But I did so because I, you know, it, there's also, like, I, I talked to some people. I reached out to some some people in baseball, some players. And, and, you know, I do try to base my opinions when I can. I try to base my opinions on this show when I can. I try to base that on facts and inside information. And um, I'm always working to get some type of inside information so that I can formulate an opinion that's not as outrageous as you see with all these hot takes all all over the sports world every single day. And people that listen to me know I've done that for years since I've been doing this show. Um, So what I gave you last week, my sentiment was, Major League Baseball's punishment with all this sign-stealing stuff with the Astros and then the way the Red Sox and the Mets reacted, it was all a huge overreaction based on the fact that there are a lot of people in Major League Baseball, there are a lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of managers and bench coaches involved in sign-stealing schemes. And it's nothing new. It's just now they use technology, which Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball is trying to tell you is 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 a pretty clear-cut thing and and I think what the story pointed out that I gave you is that it's not clear-cut. Like there's a gray area with technology. But also there's a lot of this going on around Major League Baseball outside of the Houston Astros. And so I got comment from players, go check it out. Again, I worked hard on it and um I guess you could say I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the work that I that I put out with it. But you know, if you're, if you're supposed to be a baseball guy, whether it's in the media or blogs or radio or TV or even just a fan, a baseball person. If you're supposed to be a baseball person and you ignore this story, this feature story and exclusive report that I put out there. you If you're a baseball person and you ignore this, then it is confirmed you're only, you're just ignoring me. You're just ignoring me. And anything that I do on purpose. And that's pretty fucked up. But I'm taking note of it. I mean, it's too bad. It's too bad. But, I, you know, you, if you pay any attention, you probably know who it is. Who these people are. Um, I, why they do it, I have no idea. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't have uh, any idea whatsoever. But it is what it is. If you're a baseball person and you ignore this, then you're just, you're just ignoring me. And that's too bad because you're ignoring something that I think you should want to see. Because there is some news in there as well. There is some news. And, and in fact, the most interesting part of all this, what I was able to tell you, was the Victor Martinez story from his 2014 season, which is not really documented. I mentioned another story with the Toronto Blue Jays trying to steal signs. In early, you know, 2010 through, you know, the early 2010s with that Batista and Canacion and those Blue Jays teams that just mashed at the Rogers Center. Like, that that was somewhat documented. The paranoia the teams had when they went into Toronto, into Rogers Center. You know, I gave you a little more detail on it. Stories coming from players. But the Victor Martinez stuff is not documented. And I ended up, after I was told about all this stuff, I ended up, doing research on it, and I found a video that has Chris Sale in 2014 when Sale was with the White Sox throwing at Victor Martinez. He hits him with a pitch on purpose up and in, and as Victor Martinez is walking to first base slowly and grilling Chris Sale, Chris Sale starts yelling at Victor Martinez, and, and you can almost hear it in the YouTube video that, that I post on, on the story, where Chris Sale's like, he's yelling at Chris Sale's yelling at him. He's going, Oh, you're looking at your boy out there, huh? You're looking at your boy out there? And he's pointing to center field. And it confirms, basically, the stories that players were telling me about Victor Martinez. And if you look at Victor Martinez's numbers that year, but even after this story, like, things I couldn't really put in there, like, like, you can, if you use your brain, look at that Detroit Tigers team in 2014 that Victor Martinez was on. You know? Look at the people involved in that organization, on that team. I mean, you just, there was so much other stuff that was told to me that I just could not confirm. Stories of sign stealing, this, that, the other thing. There were a lot of of things told to me. A lot of things I wish I could have reported. But one thing that I do pride myself on with my reporting, my writing, or even things I say in this show, I want to make sure I get it right. I know that's not a common philosophy in the sports media these days. In the in the world of the hot take, getting it right isn't necessarily a, pr- a priority with a lot of people. It's unfortunate, but, and I get it. You know, people with regards to getting views or downloads or clicks or page views or um, ratings, like getting it right doesn't always lead. To the ratings that you get if you get it wrong, but you have a crazy hot take and all of a sudden every one of their mothers retweeting it. It's so crazy. You know, the, I think that that's the strategy that Rob Pocket tries to take. Like, let's come up with something so outrageous that it will draw a reaction. And you know the people, you know, you pro- if you're not from the Boston area, you probably have people in, in, in your city that do the same thing on local TV and radio. We have people that do it here in Boston on TV and local radio. Uh, we know who the people are who exaggerate on purpose. They know it's going to draw a reaction. Getting the facts right doesn't draw that same type of reaction all the time. Still, I it's something I like to do. I like to get it right. And um, there was a lot of stuff that I couldn't confirm, so I couldn't put in this story. But there's still a lot of stuff there for you. So my point is, if you're a baseball person, make sure you go check it out on my website. DannyPicard.com, and speaking of baseball, there is some breaking baseball news as I record this today, and it is Red Sox related. And I'm reading a tweet from Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe on Twitter. Pete Abraham tweets, "Quote: Dustin Pedroya has suffered what sources say was a significant setback with his left knee. His availability for at least spring training is questionable." Pedroia is discussing his options with his family, agents, and the Red Sox. End quote. That is not good news for Dustin Pedroia. That tweet from Pete Abraham, who is obviously well-connected with the Red Sox, that is a tweet that tells me the next bit of news is that Pedroia is going to have another press conference in which this time he will be calling it quits. Now, that's my opinion based on what this Pete Abraham tweet says. Again, it says that Dustin Pedroia has suffered what sources say is a significant setback with his left knee. His availability for at least spring training is questionable. Pedroia is discussion is discussing his options with his family, agents and the Red Sox. And quote, "When you're discussion discussing your options, when you're talking about when you're talking about your options with the family and your agents and the organization and then someone from the Globe Who's well connected with the organization is reporting this, that's not good news. That's not good news. With the guy, you know, for people who wanted to see Petroya play again, even for Pedroya, who is obviously trying to get back to the field and play again, this is not good news. Um, and not to jump to conclusions, but when you read that last line of this tweet that Pedroya is discussing his options with family agents and the Red Sox, mmm, that's. Th- that, th- that sentence gives me retirement vibes. And you know, it puts a thought into my head, and I'm just reacting to this raw right now. I'm just seeing this as I'm recording and, and scrolling through Twitter, as I do during the shows. Um This has retirement vibes, and you can almost get a sense that if they're discussing this with the options, right? It's another setback. Who's doing his, who is working on Pedroia's knee? Who, what is going on? We live in a world where we see so many guys, pro athletes, come back from crazy injuries. And they don't just come back. They come back from, cra- especially knee injuries. They come back from crazy knee injuries like better than ever. Even in their mid to, even in their mid thirties. Who is working on Pedroia's knee? Don't ever send me to that doctor. Like, is this a team doctor? Is is this Petroleum working with someone that, that is not affiliated with the team? Whoever it is, man, like, what is happening there? You can't get this right. And I know everybody is different. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's knees are different. Some people just have, you know, chronic issues. But, I mean, these are setbacks. Which means that somebody who's treating his knee is not doing something right. Right? I mean, this isn't Pedroya's fault. Man, that's tough news. That, uh, I mean, I did expect him to be back and work to, to get back. He's obviously working to get back. And, and with Pedroya, you know his mindset. And I'm not P- the biggest Pedroya guy, as you know if you listen to this show. But I don't root for injury. Like, you want to see the guy get back. I mean, he loves the game. This is his life. I honestly thought he would be back at some point, but this has, this tweet from Pete Abraham today has retirement vibes. And that last sentence, where it says Pedroya is discussing his options with his family, agents, and Red Sox? Huh. I I almost get the picture in my head of like a spring training press conference where Pedroya calls it quits. Like this tweet has retirement vibes. I'm not gonna spend too much time you know, guessing. But that's not a good if you if you were somebody who thought Pedroya was gonna come back and you wanted him to come back, that's not a good tweet for you today. That's not good news for you today. And it doesn't sound like it's good news for Pedroya. But I'll keep an eye on it. Anything that breaks, I'll react to it. If something breaks before Thursday, I'll react again on Thursday's show. But there's a lot going on outside of baseball. We got uh I, again I'll get to my Super Bowl thoughts in just a minute, but just kinda you know, clean it up here from What happened over the weekend in the last couple days? I did watch the Celtics whoop the Lakers last night at the TD Garden. Celtics beat the Lakers 139 to 107. I don't think anybody thought. Like, if 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 You know, you never know when Anthony Davis is gonna play or when he's not gonna play. You never know when LeBron James is gonna play or when he's not gonna play. The NBA is so shady these days when it comes to injuries and what guys are dealing with and how many games they're going to sit out. Um, Load management, right? Because of this whole load management conversation, it's tough to actually gauge when a guy is really injured or when they're just using an injury as an excuse to give the team and provide them with this load management. Uh So you never know if you're going to get Anthony Davis, LeBron James in this game or in the same game, like at this stage of the season, you never know. But they both played. If you told me Anthony Davis and LeBron James were both going to play in this game last night, especially given the way the Celtics have looked as of late, I would have told you there's no way the Celtics win by that much. They'll, You know, maybe they make it competitive because it's at home. And because they just, you know, it's on, It's a nationally televised game on TNT. The, um, you know, we've seen the Celtics get up for games like this against some of the, the best teams in the Western Conference in recent history. If you told me the Celtics would have it competitive, sure. You know, I don't know that I put my money on them to win that game last night. If I knew Anthony Davis and LeBron James were playing. But if you told me they were gonna, Anthony Davis and LeBron James would play for the Lakers and the Celtics would win 139-107, to I would have laughed right in your face. But that's what happened. Celtics win 139-107. In the process, Celtics snap a three-game losing skid. And I guess, you know, when you look at the Lakers, when JaVale McGee is the Lakers' leading scorer with 18 points, LeBron had 15, Anthony Davis had 9. <laughs> you get JaVale McGee... To be the Lakers leading scorer in a game in which LeBron and Anthony Davis do play. That's a good night for you. For the team that plays against the Lakers. It's a good night for you. Uh, Jason Tatum, a game high, 27 points. He was five for eight from the three-point line. And as of this Tuesday, January 21st, the Celtics are the number four seed in the East with a 28-14 record. If the playoffs began today, the Celtics would be playing the number five seed Philadelphia 76ers in. The first round, but it is a little too early to um, seriously look at those seedings, and uh, it's too early. It is too early to sit here and play the game. If the playoffs began today in the NBA, we got a lot of basketball left uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. Though certainly, um, I will be talking a lot of Celtics on this show, a lot of NBA on this show. I did watch the highlights of the Conor McGregor Cowboy fight. Highlights. I shouldn't say I watched the fight. I did not watch the fight, the McGregor fight on Saturday night. Um, and you might be surprised to hear me say that because I do talk a lot uh, I, I talk a lot about the big fights on the show both in UFC and in the boxing world and for the most part I get the fights. Now I have to zone, which is what? I think it only cost me 10, 15 bucks a month. And there's no extra money that you have to pay. Like, it's just the $15 a month and then... Or is it $20 a month? Whatever it is, it's low. It's $15, $20 a month and you don't have to pay extra money. Like, when Canelo is fighting someone, that's it. It's on DAZN and I don't have to pay an extra $80, $85, $90. With UFC... Well with ESPN Plus, so UFC is on ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus is an app that's it's a streaming service similar to Zone, And you also have to pay monthly for ESPN Plus. Right now it's cheaper. It's only like is it only five bucks a month or maybe ten? Um, but it's a scam. ESPN Plus is a total scam. Because they tell you, you know, you pay monthly for this app and you get the fights. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> you get yeah, you get the free fights, you don't get the pay per view fights. So in order to watch fights on ESPN Plus and this is even when there are boxing fights on there. You pay the monthly fee for ESPN Plus, and then you pay extra for pay per view. So paying the monthly for ESPN Plus wasn't that didn't cover you for the McGregor fight. You also had to pay what was it like ninety bucks? You paying up basically paying a hundred bucks? I'm all set. I, I was not one thing I was not gonna do was pay a hundred dollars if if it was anybody else. I think that. Like, if McGregor was fighting Khabib again, okay, I think you'd see me pay that. If McGregor was fighting Nate Diaz, and it's a trilogy, I'll pay that. If McGregor's fighting uh, Tony Ferguson, like, all right, I'll pay that. I just didn't think, and I told you this last week, uh, McGregor was the heavy favorite, he was going to win this fight. I I just, I I had a hard time, I'm sitting there on Saturday night, I was working on this baseball, the baseball story that that I put out there all weekend, and I'm sitting there working on that going, am I, am I, re- am I really going to pay a hundred bucks right now to see McGregor knock this guy out in 30 seconds? That's what I said to myself. And I even had friends calling me like, hey, you going to get the McGregor fight? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And they're like, why not? I'm like, I can't, I just can't force myself to pay a hundred bucks to see McGregor, knock this guy out in 30 seconds and I don't even really like McGregor. Like like, like what am I I'm going to pay 100 bucks to watch a guy I don't like win in 30 seconds like And I know a lot of McGregor's career has been that but there have been in my opinion some more intriguing fights than this one and uh you know the press conference leading into this fight was different it was unusual as I told you last week McGregor was a different person he was a respectful humble person. And even after winning this fight, you know, McGregor comes out early with the knee, with the shoulders, then with the kick, and then he was pummeling away on on the cowboy, and that was it. And they had to stop the fight. What, 40 seconds? Was that the official time? 40 seconds, McGregor wins by KO. I mean, I knew that was going to happen. I think a lot of people knew that was going to happen. Did anybody really think there was a chance McGregor would lose this fight? I didn't. Um, the other guy's been around a while. Clearly, I, you know, in my mind, so what McGregor was, if you're Dana White, you're UFC, and even if you're McGregor, you're never going to say this publicly, but he needed a win. McGregor needed a win. And I think the reason you saw that respectful, humble McGregor in the press conference leading into this fight was because he's not stupid. McGregor's a very smart business. He's, McGregor's a smart dude. He is. He's a smart dude. Dana White, smart dude. These are smart guys with a lot of money that all they do every day is wake up, look themselves in the mirror and tell themselves they want more of it. They want more money. And they get it. They get it. They wake up. They tell themselves that they want more money. They get the money. They understand. McGregor is smart. He understands. He understands that his last two fights, even though one of them was in a boxing ring against Mayweather, his last two fights were losses. You know the McGregor mystique is, is 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 at stake right now. In the whatever fight he goes next, goes into next, you needed McGregor needed Dana White needed UFC needed the fight game needed McGregor th- to have his next fight be against somebody that was a guaranteed win. Like there was no chance this guy's going to beat Conor McGregor. And I think they picked their they picked their opponent wisely. Um, I think McGregor knew all this and i think the humble respectful press conference was because mcgregor knew like he can't keep running his mouth when he's lost his last two fights but also they know he, he even said it like he's handling this like a season this is a new season for him you know there's multiple fights lined up this is the first fight of the season you're not going to if you if you're planning a season of fights the way mcgregor says he is your first fight isn't gonna be the one that's like the biggest risk you take. It's just not. So my mindset going in is that they picked their spot on purpose against this guy that they knew was gonna be a guaranteed win. Now, I don't think it was rigged like maybe Nate Diaz did. Nate Diaz was on social media saying that that it was fake. Like it was it was staged. It was um it was rigged. You know, the cowboy lost on purpose. They knew I don't think it was rigged in the in the octagon, but I certain but I certainly think like they McGregor picked his spot so he could get a win under his belt so that the next press conference he could be the guy that gets all that money. Who's the McGregor that gets all the money? Is it the McGregor that had that respectful, humble press conference before this fight last week? No. Because you probably didn't even see highlights of that press conference. You know why? Because nothing happened. McGregor was just a normal dude who respected the other guy. You know, they were they were up there just throwing bouquets at each other. That's not the McGregor we know. That's not the McGregor that makes money. That's not the McGregor that ultimately Dana White wants to see. Dana White and UFC and even McGregor, they want him to be a an entertainer. They want him to steal the show, not just in the octagon, but leading up to the fight. The promotion of the fight, a lot of times, is bigger than the actual fight itself. You know, without a solid promotion, you don't have a fight that makes money you don't have a league or an organization or a sport that makes money. And at the entertainment, in the entertainment portion of it, McGregor is maybe better than anybody else, but he needs to get back to being that guy, but they needed to get a win under his belt. Now that he has this win, he can go out and and be himself. He's going to you even saw it sort of in the middle of that post-fight press conference, a fo- post-fight interview with Joe Rogan in the octagon. McGregor starts yelling out. <laughs> he's like calling everyone dirt balls. He's like, "They can get it. They can get it. You can get it. He can get it." And it came out again. You know why? He got to win. He's Bob well, McGregor's back. The 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 McGregor mystique knockout in forty seconds. He looks good. He's he's not going down in weight anymore. Like he's at this one seventy. Like he McGregor is is ready is ready to to dominate again. And now he's back to being that entertainer UFC needed this I knew they needed this McGregor needed this he knew he needed it and so I'm sitting there on Saturday night going am I really gonna pay 100 bucks to see a guy that I don't that I don't even really root for knock another dude out in 30 seconds like is that worth the 100 bucks for me when I, I know he's gonna knock him out in 30 seconds they're gonna post a whole video all 30 seconds of it on Twitter an hour later and I'll be able to see it either then or the next morning. You know what? I went to bed. I saw it the next morning. And I knew it was exactly how. I mean, maybe not, you know, with the kick to the head. I don't know that I saw it going that way, but but I just, I, I knew that was going to happen. So I did not pay the 100 bucks. I did not pay the 100 bucks. And I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't. Ah, that's 100 bucks I could use. You can knock me all you want. That's 100 bucks I could use. Uh, what's next? I would say, I would say they probably, they're not going to go Khabib next. Khabib's not... They're not going to... Now, Khabib has got to fight Tony Ferguson, right? When's that fight? When's the Khabib-Tony Ferguson fight? Is it in March? Oh, April, maybe? That fight has to happen first. So, realistically, even if McGregor was going to fight Khabib, it wouldn't be happening until... I don't know. End of the summer? Like, maybe July? August? Right? Um... But even not. McGregor needs another fight, I think. Before then, another possible winnable fight is Nate Diaz. Is a Nate Diaz trilogy? Is that is that the winna, next winnable fight? I, I mean, he's he It's one and one. You know, it's it's the it's the rubber match, if you will. So it's not a guarantee win. Is there someone else that McGregor could fight? Maybe. Um, I know there's a couple other guys out. There. I, He's not going for the BMF belt or whatever that is. What is that? The the baddest motherfucker alive belt? What like what are we doing with that? that that's, I don't know. I don't take that seriously. I don't. I don't think McGregor's going to either. Um. I don't know. Maybe it's a Nate Diaz trilogy. Maybe that's it. Or maybe there's another fight that, uh, against somebody that we're not talking about that would be a guaranteed win for McGregor. You know, you get a couple couple wins in a row, see what happens with Ferguson and Khabib, and then you go from there. Then you go from there. But, um, I don't know. That's my reaction to it. I expected that to go down the way it did, and I didn't feel like paying 100 bucks for it, and I'm glad I didn't in hindsight, obviously. but uh, So you had that Saturday night, and then on Sunday, I guess, not to bury the lead, but the NFL, huge story, obviously, now that we know the matchup for Super Bowl 54 in Miami on Sunday, February 2nd. Obviously not this Sunday, but a week from this Sunday, and the Super Bowl 54 matchup, the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. The Chiefs, a one point favorite. I told you last week the Chiefs would be a one point favorite, but I did tell you that they'd be playing Green Bay. So I didn't get it all right. Uh the conference championship games on Sunday. Kansas City, early on, it looked like Tennessee was got it, you know, early on, you're like, you're like, wow. Uh Tennessee, they're just that team that's rolling. They're just that team that's rolling. But you can't forget the comeback that Kansas City had the week before. And then Kansas City comes back again. You had Patrick Mahomes with that run down the left sideline where he stays in bounds and then has the worst. And then you see the worst example of tackling in football at any level that you will ever see by the Tennessee Titans as Mahomes went into the end zone. That was pathetic. You don't belong in the Super Bowl. You're trying to tackle like that in a, in that moment. Like, are you kidding me? What is What was that? Did anybody see Rich Eisen's tweet after that run? Rich Eisen, you know, hosts shows on the NFL Network. I don't want to say he's the voice of football on the NFL Network or the face of football on the NFL Network, but he's pretty damn close to it. For, some, for all the guys that talk about the NFL on TV, on national TV or national radio, for all the guys that, that talk NFL, that are not former players, that are not former athletes, Rich Eisen is pretty damn close to being the face and the voice of football. Rich Eisen saw that run by Patrick Mahomes, and I tweeted this out. I quote tweeted it. I said, I, I'm paraphrasing. I said, Jesus Christ, you can't be serious with this tweet. Rich Eisen tweeted that that was the one of the greatest runs in the history of the NFL. That was one of, the, you say one of the greatest plays in the history of the NFL. <laughs> like, did I, I would like to say that's one of that's an example of maybe the worst tackling in the NFL, not one of the greatest plays. He was dead serious with that, I think. I don't know. I mean, I just don't know how that, that talk about pathetic hot takes like th- there you go. And it's just something like that can't be happening from somebody who's the face of the voice of the NFL. Like, what is that? Let's go like but but that was an example to me of the media, national media. They were overly excited to they were overly excited to just in general not have the Patriots be playing in that AFC championship. Like they were so happy that they didn't have to talk about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in an AFC championship. And it was the first time the Patriots were not in the AFC Championship since 2010. So the Patriots, they had spent, you know, from 2011 through um, last year in the AFC Championship, right? And, like, that must get exhausting for people who don't like the Patriots or people who are not Patriots fans and the national media. And I think that moment where Rich Eisen is like, oh, that Patrick Mahomes run, one of the greatest plays in NFL history. It's like, dude, dude you're showing a little bit that, you know, that, that reaction is a combination of of how happy you are to, to see two teams not name the Patriots in this game. It was. It was a nice play. It was a big play in that game, in that moment, for the Chiefs, with regards to them and eventually getting to the Super Bowl and winning that game, getting to the Super Bowl. Was it one of the greatest runs, greatest plays in NFL history? No. Not, not even close. Not even close. What are you talking about? But again, and it was just a sign that they everybody was so giddy that the Patriots were not in this game, that they were willing to overreact to anything positive. That's how happy they were. Um, <laughs> but it was, as a Patriots fan, as someone here from New England, it was depressing watching the conference championships. It was depressing watching the divisional round the week before. But I think this Sunday was a little more depressing because it's like, well, it always gets a little depressing because you're getting closer to the end of football on Sundays, right? You're getting closer to extreme boredom on Sundays. Like, we are are just a couple weeks away from extreme boredom. Some people say, well, there's golf tournaments on. And I'm like, well, I I enjoy watching the major golf tournaments. But it still can be boring, (laughs) right? Like, we are that much closer to extreme boredom. Every year. On Conference Championship Sunday. So that's why it's depressing in general. But it's even more depressing. It was even more depressing this Sunday. This past Sunday with the Patriots not involved. For the first time since 2010. In Conference Championship weekend. You saw the Chiefs beat the Titans as a result. And then... uh, In the late game, you saw San Francisco whoop Green Bay again. San Francisco whooped Green Bay in San Francisco earlier in the season. I told you that. I thought Green Bay would at least keep it close, so I took the plus seven and a half. And and again, to clarify, my picks, picks, picks against the spread, I went one and one on Sunday. I got Kansas City right, minus seven. As they, what they win by, 11? I got Kansas City right, minus seven. I did not get Green Bay plus seven and a half. I told you Green Bay would win the game. (laughs) Uh, That obviously did not happen. And then what did they lose, by 17 or something? I mean, there were moments in the second half where you're like, all right, they get something going, and then their defense, Green Bay's defense. I mean, their run defense. I don't even know what that was. Like, it almost looked like it. The, Green Bay's run defense looked so bad in that game against San Francisco that there were times, if you told me that Green Bay only had nine guys on the field, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. They didn't have enough guys on the field. Look how, Look how big these holes are. Look how wide open this is. If you told me Green Bay had nine guys on the field defensively in that game, I'd believe you. That's how bad the run defense was. That's how bad it was. And um, as a result, San Francisco whoops Green Bay. Uh, What are they saying about Aaron Rodgers today? What are they saying about him this week? The golden boy, the NFL. Rodgers needed that. He needed that. And I don't mean to sound like this every single week, or I'm a Rodgers hater, and but, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of Rodgers haters. And I, the reason I only become a hater of Aaron Rodgers is because there's so many people that love the guy. There's so many people that put him on this pedestal. He's a he's a he's an athletic quarterback that makes fantastic, phenomenal plays. Like, some of the most exciting throws and touchdown passes that you'll see. Crossbody on the run, drops it in the bucket deep down the field. And he does it in the big moments a lot. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But is he one of the greatest of all time? No, 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 no. You can't be put in that conversation unless you get rings. And in this day and age, you can't be put in that conversation unless you're getting multiple Super Bowl rings. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that. He has one. So he needed this to just to get a shot to get that second ring. But he loses this game and he gets whooped in the process. I will say in fantasy to Aaron Rodgers, his run defense was horrible, like I just said. Horrible. But Aaron Rodgers wasn't perfect in this game either. And um, they got whooped. And because of it, San Francisco, Jimmy G doesn't even have to throw the football. They're just running it, running it, running it. And now we got Kansas City, San Francisco. A whole lot of red in this game. You look at the uniforms. I like to think about the uniforms in the Super Bowl. I don't know why. I'm a big uniform guy. Growing up, I was always a huge fan of the 49ers uniforms. I was. Huge fan. I had the Joe Montana Hutch football uniform as a kid. It came with, you know, you wore the helmet, you had the uniform, the red jersey, the gold pants, uh, the gold helmet, you know. love the 49ers uniforms. I actually think the 49ers uniforms, when they do it right, um, you know, the... The red jersey, the gold pants. thats the. I think that's the best uniform, best-looking uniform in, in sports, I think. That's my opinion. But that's my favorite uniform. Uh, but a lot of red in this game. Kansas City Chiefs, red uniforms, 49ers, red uniforms. Either way, that's not going to uh, play a role in the outcome. Chiefs are one-point favorite. Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo. You look at the odds for Super Bowl MVP. Mahomes is the favorite. To be named Super Bowl MVP, as you could probably expect. He's the favorite at plus 130. Garoppolo, the second best odds at plus 275. Here's an interesting one, though. I'm going to throw this out there at you. you, know, do, you know, you're an adult, you can make your own decisions. All right? Tyreek Hill, plus 1600 to win Super Bowl MVP. Tyreek Hill, um, dynamic because he's fast as Lightning. Because, you know, you get a kick return for a touchdown. Here's the way I see this game playing out. We see a lot of trickery, especially in the playoffs now. You're seeing a lot of trickery in big games. You know, which team can, out, can outdo the other with a trick play. You see a lot of jet sweeps. You see a lot of um, double passes or even flea flickers. I could totally see Tyreek Hill... Running one back, a kick return for a touchdown, and also doing something else crazy, like throwing a touchdown pass. I could see that. I could see Tyreek Hill throwing a touchdown pass or maybe even getting the handoff himself on a on a, on a jet sweep and taking it the other way and, and going in. Like, I could see that. I could see Tyreek. And, and, you know, because when you pick a wide receiver to be the MVP, I mean, we did see it last year with Edelman. You don't see it a lot, though, because usually if the receivers is getting the MVP, that means the quarterback had a big day, and most of the time, the quarterback will get the nod, the MVP nod, right? Because he's the one that threw the pass, and he might even have other touchdown passes on top of that. So sometimes you say, well, you don't put your money on a receiver to win Super Bowl MVP because he can only do so much. His success relies on the success of the quarterback, and if the quarterback's having success, then that's the guy that's going to get MVP. So that's why you don't put your money on a receiver. But I, I, I'm just seeing something right now. You know, I'm, I'm looking into the future. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this pick. Tyreek Hill, plus 1,600 for Super Bowl MVP. I could see him running a kickoff for a touchdown, running one in as a handoff on a jet sweep for a touchdown, and maybe even throwing a touchdown pass in this game. Yeah, that's right. Tyreek Hill maybe throwing a touchdown pass. I could see it. I can see it. That would get, he, if he even, you know, catches a couple touchdowns, maybe runs one in, throws a touchdown pass, he'll get MVP. It's plus 1,600. I mean, you think about the favorite, Mahomes is plus 130. But Tyree Kill, is it that crazy? Plus 1,600? I don't think it's that crazy. I, that Again, you're an adult. You can make your own decisions. But I would consider Tyreek Hill plus 1,600 to win Super Bowl MVP because I think he could throw a touchdown pass in this game. All right? He could throw it. With regards to San Francisco, um, just initial thoughts. Like, Kansas City's defense is not that good. There's holes there. You can score on them. I don't think San Francisco is going to have that tough a time against Kansas City's defense, Um, but I mean, if I'm Kansas City, you know, you gotta, you you minimize San Fran's run game, and you make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you with his arm, that's it, I mean, that's the, if you can't, that's what you do, because Garoppolo, he didn't have to throw the ball in the last game, and I'm not saying he can't, I'm not saying that's an example that he can't throw, I mean, in that moment, why would you throw? If you're San Fran, especially when you're up big, you're not going to throw the football. You know, you don't want to sh- have incomplete passes, stop the clock. And you're basically at that point, you know, letting Green Bay back in the game. If they're not stopping the run and there's holes everywhere, you keep running. Don't You don't have to throw the football. I'm not knocking Garoppolo for that. But I will say if you are Kansas city, you know, ma- make them throw it. Make them throw it. You know, see how Garoppolo is going to throw in the biggest game of his career, right? So, do what you can. Focus on the run and make him beat you. Make Garoppolo beat you with his arm. And if he doesn't, you tippy cap and you say, you know what? On the other end, we can win a shootout because we we trust our guy. Our guy can do some damage with his arm too, in Mahomes. Um. The story here in New England, obviously Garoppolo in a Super Bowl. And, and being the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl in his first full season outside of New England. He was traded in 2017 to San Fran, so he didn't play a full season then. He was injured last season, so what he only He only played like three games, I think, last year. So this is Garoppolo's first full season as a quarterback outside of the Patriots organization. And so the talk is like, oh, the, oh, the Patriots shouldn't have got rid of Garoppolo. My stand, I'm not going to... I'm not going to relive the Garoppolo trade here leading up to the Super Bowl. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I have no interest in that. Clearly, you have to at, at least... you. We have to talk about Garoppolo, though, and the relationship with the Patriots because we're in a situation here in New England where all eyes are on Tom Brady and his future as he is a free agent. And, um, you know, this new room is left and right, you know... Did he, did he buy a new house somewhere? Did he sell? Did he really sell his house? Like, where did he really move to? Does he really own a house in Connecticut? That's that's something that's now being a rumor that's, that's being debunked. He doesn't actually own a house in Connecticut. Where's Tom Brady live? Where does he want to live? Does where Tom Brady lives have any effect on where he plays next year, where he signs? You know, all these rumors. And I look at Garoppolo, especially now in the Super Bowl, and I think to myself, Look, if you're the Patriots, the minute you traded Garoppolo, you, you know, we can agree to disagree on the reasons for that and, and how good the return was and, and was it enough of a return. We can we can agree to disagree. But when, when you're the Patriots and you do trade Garoppolo, what you're doing in that moment is just saying you're all in on the Tom Brady era as long as he can still play the position at a high level. Tom Brady can still play the position at a high level. So the question now is, are the Patriots really all in on Tom Brady? I mean, they should be. Stidham's on the contract for three more years. It's not like you have to make that, you have to rush to make that move with him right now. But now you're in a position where Brady is the one who has leverage because he's the one who, who controls his own destiny at this point. He's an unrestricted free agent. There's a clause in the contract that says the Patriots cannot franchise, cannot give him the franchise tag. So the Patriots either have to give Brady what he wants or he's going to go elsewhere. And then we get to the question, well, what does Brady want? I mean, I've already done this on this show and we could probably do this here for the next three months, as we we will. Because you're going to hear rumors and even Brady, you know, he's talking to Brady's talking to Jim Gray over the weekend. When was it? Was it yesterday, two days ago? He goes on Jim Gray's radio show every week and You know, Brady's talking about how his options are open. Here's one thing with Brady that I'm not buying. And and it makes me believe that this is a negotiation on Brady's end. Brady is, in in a way, I don't know that it's intentional. Brady is unintentionally giving no respect to the Patriots fan base. Does that make sense? Like I'm listening to his comments with Jim Gray the other night and and I didn't hear the whole conversation, so may maybe this is unfair to him because I am just nitpicking. Like I'm 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 picking out certain spots, but I'm picking out the spots that, you know, the media continues to pump out. Where Brady's like, you know, I'm keeping my options open, uh anything's on the table. You know, it's almost like Brady is speaking out publicly as if You know, he's just done with Patriots Nation or Patriots fans mean nothing to him, which is a strange, it's a very strange feeling to have if you're Brady, where you spent your entire football career in one organization with the same fan base that absolutely adores the shit out of you, right? Like, Tom Brady is a living legend. He is a god amongst men. In this town, okay? You have a lot of grown men, including myself, that will be in tears, literal tears, if he decides to play for another team next season. And yet, knowing that your fan base adores you like that, the public comments that you make and the reaction to the question, you know, what's going on with your future? Where are you going to play next year? Brady, in an unintentional way, is really just ignoring a fan base that treats him like a god. And I, to me, if you, like, I, that's disrespectful. Like, that, that, like, Brady, Now again, I don't think he's doing it on purpose. Well, no, I should say he's not knocking the Patriots fan base and disrespecting the Patriots fan base on purpose. What he's doing on purpose is he's making it, this is a public negotiation. So he says things with the purpose, but the unintentional consequences of what he says to me is that it's a slap in the face to Patriots fans that right now they're just, like, their feelings are just being ignored. Like Patriots fans adore this guy; he is a god, and Brady's just like, eh, whatever. They don't mean anything to me. They're not. I don't factor them into the decision. He says that. Does he mean it? I don't think so. I think what he means to say is that this is a negotiation. And he's trying to say everything he can to win that negotiation by trying to convince the Patriots, publicly at least, that he is prepared to move on. And that it is time for the Patriots to pay him. The money that he probably should have received five, six years ago. So, um... It's it's very strange that, that Brady really just kind of, it seems to not care about a fan base that, that it's the only fan base he knows in his professional career for the last 20 years, and it's a fan base that has treated him like a god. Right? And for him to really ignore that is is just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right. It's almost so disrespectful that he he doesn't actually mean it, that he's just negotiating. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's just something I thought of. But anyways, we're asking, where's Brady going to end up? And now Garoppolo is in the Super Bowl. I will say this. And yeah, I do think Brady's going to come back. I, I think Kraft at the end of the day is going to pay him. I think at the end of the day, the Patriots are going to make some type of trade to get a receiver. I think all this stuff's going to happen. Right? I've mentioned Stefan Diggs' name. Like, I think that's realistic. I think it's in play. I think this stuff's going to go down. I think Brady is going to spend at least the next two, maybe three years in the Patriots organization. I do. I believe that. But the concept of well, Brady has Brady has an opportunity to prove that he can win without Belichick. He has an opportunity to prove that he can win in another organization and that Bill Belichick isn't the reason for his success. Does he feel that way? You know, I'm sure there's part of Brady that's like, wow, maybe I'd like to, you know, I'd like to give that a shot. But then there's the whole, well, I still want to win. I don't want to just take that shot and go to an organization and have to do everything. All the day one stuff over again. And I watched the league. It's a shit show of a league with dumb coaches and even dumber players. And, like, do I want to go to an organization that makes dumb decisions? Not really. Not at this stage. When, in reality, my best chance to win is still in New England. And, ultimately, that's all I care about. So I'll play this publicly to try to get more money while returning to New England. Like, I, I just think that's how it's going to go down. Um, but I, one thing that maybe concerns me a little bit is Garoppolo getting to the Super Bowl in his first full season with another organization because Brady might, maybe Brady sits back and goes, huh. So it isn't so crazy. It isn't that nuts. Jimmy Garoppolo can go to another organization and in his first full season, take a team to the Super Bowl. I can too. So maybe I should show them. Jimmy G is going to do that. Maybe I should do it. Jimmy G has proven that it is very realistic, and maybe my best opportunity to win next year isn't with the Patriots. You know, I I, do, I I I am a little concerned that maybe that thought could creep into Brady's mind, seeing Garoppolo in the Super Bowl. But let's see how the Super Bowl plays out. I'm not going to give you my pick for the game, uh, but those are just the storylines that we're going to have the next couple of weeks. Uh you know the Shanahan versus Reed storyline old versus new uh experience versus youth like you'll get that the coaching staffs um you'll get it all and there's a lot of time to talk about it obviously and not this Thursday but the Thursday after I will give my pick picks pick for Super Bowl 54 are we going to sim the Super Bowl on Madden 20 again last year with me and Will Noonan comedian Will Noonan we simmed Super Bowl 53 and uh, we did it on Madden, and we did a whole live stream. Maybe we'll do that again. Should we do it? Chiefs 49ers. We'll sim the Super Bowl again. Uh, maybe. I'll have to give Will a call, and maybe we can set that up. But that's what we got with the NFL, uh, with the Super Bowl, Sunday, February 2nd, in Miami, Kansas City, San Francisco. We whatever whatever breaks Whatever news breaks on that front the next couple of weeks, I'll certainly react to it. Um, and anything else in the world of sports. I know I ignore the Bruins a lot, but that doesn't mean I'm not watching them. It doesn't mean I'm not paying attention. I am. Uh, there's just a lot of time with Bruins, Celtics, NBA, NHL. There's a lot of time to break that down before we get to the playoffs. And then, um, yeah, this Pedrolia news that I, that I talked about at the beginning of the show, anything that breaks on that, I'll react to it. And again, I'll remind you, make sure you check out my latest Major League Baseball feature story on my website, dannypicard.com. There's a lot of news in there for you. There's a lot of stuff in there. And if you're interested about sign stealing and you think that only one team's doing it, think again. If you want some thoughts on current players, a current pitcher, a current hitter, then go check it out. You want some comments from the league on all this stuff? It's in there. And then some other examples of sign stealing in the past that I go into a little more detail because players have told me about. Um, and then even some interesting quotes on Red Sox owner John Henry, Astros owner Jim Crane. What's going on with sign stealing in baseball? I did my best to try to paint a picture for you in this latest feature story. So make sure you go check that out. And please share it. But you can check it out at DannyPicard.com. Get this show whenever you want on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Anywhere, podcasts are available every Monday and Thursday, back to a regular schedule this Thursday, and then uh, you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picotta, just posted a new clip on there uh, last night, actually, from one of my latest shows in which I'm talking about Andy Dalton and those Andy Dalton rumors to the Patriots and how I'm losing my mind with that one. And I told you how if Andy Dalton is quarterback of the Patriots next year, I will not be a Patriots fan. Go check out that highlight on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Smash that subscribe button. Follow me on social media. Enjoy the rest of the week. I will talk to you on Thursday. See ya.